All right. Well, let's pray and let's get into God's Word, okay? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much uh, just for the opportunity we have here to gather and worship and, and also to get into your Word. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to not be distracted by the things that may have been happening on our way here, um, by things that are really going on in our lives. Lord, we want to cast all our anxieties upon you because you care for us. So, Lord, we just want to mentally uh, just say, Lord, take these things that are, that are concerning me right now, these things that are a concern to me, and we want to lay them at your feet and trust you for them and for your help. And, and right now, just to be able to focus on you and what you have to say through your word. Lord, we also just want to pray for those that are sick in our church, those that are really struggling because of illness, and we just pray, God, for healing in their lives. We also pray for those that are, that are struggling spiritually and, um, and may just feeling like they want to throw in the towel spiritually. Lord, we just pray that you would grant them perseverance and the grace to, to continue on to follow you and to pursue you. Um, and Lord, help us to know what our role might be in that, if we're aware of that, Lord. And we, we ask it all in Jesus' name. We, we also just pray for these events, Lord. We pray that these events would glorify you, that it would build up the saints and reach people as well. People might invite ones to different things. Um, and we just want you to be glorified through those events and, and, and they're happening. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's interesting, if you, I wonder, I wonder do, do some of you guys know, okay, this will be an interesting little um, poll, okay, won't be scientific by any means, um, how many people here have been following the Lord, let's say, more than 30 years, okay, all right, okay. Very good. How many people that, you know, following Jesus is a newer thing, like less than 30 years? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously that's kind of relative. But no matter how long you're following the Lord and pursuing um, being a disciple of Jesus, we have spiritual highs and we have lows. We have mountaintop experiences, you might say, spiritually, where you just feel like, you know, you're clicking on all four spiritual cylinders, or if you like uh, a six or a eight cylinder better, then that's what we mean. It's just everything seems to be going well. You feel like your relationship with God is, is going smoothly, and he's showing you things in his word and showing you what your next step is, that kind of thing. Um, but then uh, also, uh, I've noticed that a lot of times after a high, Sometimes comes a low, you know, where you are, uh, you know, it's almost like the enemy just loves to attack you having had some kind of an experience or a growth spurt uh, in following Jesus. And so, uh, you know, maybe you went to a conference and you heard some message that God used to really kind of break through in your life. And then shortly after that, you experience discouragement or discouraging circumstances, which cause you to forget all that God just did in your life. And uh, I know I've had that happen in my life, you know, where uh, there was just some things that God 
uh, used a conference speaker to speak into my life about, and then you come home and or whatever, and then it's kind of like reality hits, and there's kind of this, you know, uh, almost kind of a letdown. Uh, or maybe uh, you're a person who has been trying to share the love of Jesus with someone close to you, uh, and uh, maybe a family member or coworker, and they're not at all interested. You're trying, you're being faithful and doing what you're supposed to do, but you're, you're not seeing anything really happen there, and it's discouraging to me, to you. Um, it, you know, it almost feels like no matter what you're doing spiritually, has is having no effect. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like you know whatever you're doing just doesn't seem to be working, right? Um, I know I felt that way. You know, I, I, I felt that way as a teacher. Like, is anybody listening? Uh, I'm talking about math. <laughs> Preaching, too, though, if we're real. You know, is anybody out there listening? You know, is this, is this even resonating? You know, that kind of thing. You get that feeling sometimes. You just wonder. And so you start to doubt, you know, is what I'm doing really worth anything? You know, we have these, these things that we go through, um, I've also noticed that some people, when they take the step of obedience, like with baptism or something, that the enemy loves to attack that because there they are stepping out in faith and making a public statement about that, hey, Jesus is Lord of my life and I want to follow him, and that um, oftentimes, you know, they just get a spiritual attack, um, if you will, and, and whether it's discouragement or something else. And so I'm just mentioning this scenario. Just say this is a, this is, this happens to us, but... Um, and this is hap- going to happening to Elijah in our passage today. Uh, he has um, he's coming from quite the experience there in some previous chapters, this incredible victories, but then has then subsequently experienced really a depression. Uh, you know, I know that's kind of a, we throw that out there, and I, I mean I'm not a psychologist or whatever, but if somebody says I want to die, I'd say that's pretty darn depressed. <laughs> okay, uh, you know where you just don't want to go on, um, and and people have that feeling, and he was having that feeling. So, um, let me give you a little bit of uh, context here for the passage today before I read it. So earlier, Elijah had incredible uh, victory at Mount Carmel, right? Where when he was uh, there as God's instrument, his mouthpiece, uh, God showed Himself in a big way. Um, showed that uh, his God, you know, that Elijah's God was a real God <laughs> and not a false God like Baal who didn't show up, right, uh, when they had that prophets of Baal there. And so, you know, really he saw the power of God work, uh, prayed down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice there that he had laid out that had been doused in lots and lots of water. And, um, and so this incredible... Um, taking a stand for God, and God really showing up in a big way, right? And so that had happened, and, uh, and so certainly after that display of God's power, right, uh, he was, I'm sure, hoping that the king of Israel, whose name was Ahab, that he would turn back to God, and that the people of God would turn back to God, because they were following idols. And, and so uh, I, I'm, I'm, I could imagine, I mean, that you as God's spokesperson and you, you know, you're doing this for God's glory, you want God's people to turn back to him, right? And so this certainly would have been a hope of his. And, 
Ahab's, uh, Ahab's, Ahab's wife, Queen Jezebel, would hear what God did there, and um, he was certainly hoping that she would turn from following her false gods. But as we'll see in this passage we're going to read here, that Elijah's spiritual high, his mountaintop experience, would come crashing down into a valley of discouragement and depression. And so um, let's turn to this passage. If you have a Bible, uh, turn to um, 1 Kings 19. And I'm going to look at the first 18 verses here. Okay, the first 18 verses. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, uh, just so you know, if you want to follow along. Uh, whether it's in your, your Bible or if you want to use a Bible app. But I'll be reading from the New Living Translation here. And let's just listen to what happened. So uh, it says, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. And here's what she said in the message. May the gods strike me and even... Kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them. Well, there's quite a threat, isn't it? <laughs> she's just you know, swearing that she's going to kill uh, Elijah uh, by the next day. And so in verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. I think we could all identify with that. You know, the person in power is three, says, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow, Right? He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Verse 4, then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He's running away. He's he's trying to be safe. And then it says, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Here's what he says. Quote, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. By the way, that's also called Mount Horeb, uh, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now we're at verse 10. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So he, he, there he is. He's just say, telling it like it is, like I'm the only one left, God. Verse 11, go out and stand before me on the mountain, God says. The Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, The Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 14, he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord, God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So he just says what he said before. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael, the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel Malaya, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. All right, so that's the word of the Lord, the first to 18 verses of 1 Kings 19. All right, so, um, I mean, here you have Elisha saying, God, you know, I'm giving it all I've got here. I've served hard for you, uh, and and I feel like nothing is working. Like, yeah, you know, that thing on Mount Carmel... Uh, was great, but it, it has, has no effect. There's been no change. And I really think that's what's discouraging him. We don't know that explicitly, but it kind of makes sense to me. He's like, I'm stepping out here. I'm putting my neck out. Uh, you know, you did miracles up here on Mount Carmel, and nobody has changed their heart. And he's just very discouraged about it. Very, very discouraged about it. No spiritual effect on the things he was doing. So what I want to do is just look at three things that God did to help uh, Elijah out of this spiritual valley. He's, he's obviously discouraged, depressed, whatever you want to call it. And God does several things in this exchange, in, in, in this whole scenario, I think that really is trying to help him out of this, this valley of discouragement and depression. Okay? And by the way, that's not to say that there aren't other causes for depression, okay? I fully acknowledge that. Uh, this is, this, there's something spiritual going on here with him, okay? Um, now, the first thing uh, that I want to mention here is just that God refreshes Elijah and gives him strength, right? In those verses there, uh, you know, that are, that are right around where he's, right after he runs away, right, and then it says he, he uh, laid down on the broom tree. Well, God provides for him. This angel ministers to him somehow while he's sleeping and then also provides for him food and drink, right? Food and drink. And, he, and, he, and, he, and so he, he obviously um, needed rest, didn't he? He needed physical rest. And, and part of me is thinking that, well, you know what? Uh, we are whole persons. Our physical things affect our spiritual things and vice versa, right? And so uh, if I'm physically run down and exhausted, it does affect my outlook on life, does it not? Okay? 
And I don't want to overlook that. The fact that he needed rest, he needed nourishment, right? Um, these people uh, that go around saying, well, I just want to burn out for God. You know, well, you, you know, I understand what they mean about that. I think they usually mean, well, I want to keep going on for the Lord and I want to have a heart for God. And, but, you know, that doesn't mean that you just sign up for everything that you can possibly do for God and, you know, and, and then pay no attention to what it's doing to your body. Okay, you have to have rest, you have to have fuel to put in your body, and you want to put good stuff in your body to help you uh, have the energy that you need. So, so, uh, but, but God does refresh him, it seems like, in some way, too, spiritually. That angel is not there just for the heck of it, okay? I think about the, the psalm that says, the Lord gives to his beloved, even in his sleep. And so, the Lord can minister to us when we're just sitting there snoring away, all right? Maybe you're not a snorer, but, you know, some of us are, and, and you know who you are, okay? Or at least your spouse does, or the people that live in your house do, all right? And, and so, um, there, so there's, you know, sleeping is spiritual. And I think that's great, because we can think that, oh, you know, maybe I need to, need to, need to, need to write, read another chapter in my Bible. Well, maybe you need to sleep more than you need to do that, okay? Uh, so uh, some people pile up guilt on themselves in this way rather than saying, I need to rest. I need to rest. I've, I've experienced that kind of guilt before when I've, uh, it's been a while, but when I've taken a retreat, just a personal retreat, um, I used to go up at Camp Odiaqua where our uh, men's, we used to have our men's retreat, and they let you, they let pastors use the staff cabin for free. And I'd go up there, and I'd be like, you know, I think I need to take a nap. You know? <laughs> so, but part of me would be like, well, you really should, you came up here to spend time with God, you know, should be doing that. You know, and there'd be this, like, internal battle. And, and what I found out is, like, take the nap. <laughs> take the nap, then spend time with God. You know, God can minister to me even when I'm trying to sleep. So I just want you to know, this is an important component here that we, we need to be refreshed physically if we're going to do the spiritual stuff for God and, and have, be, have a sharp spiritual life. Um, Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire, listen, and the power to do what pleases Him. We do need... God to uh, provide the power for what we're going to do in his name, right? Otherwise, we're kind of spinning our wheels, right? Uh, just as I was praying earlier, I just had this thought, you know, we need to pray about those events. Not that we haven't prayed for them, but just pray over those events that God would use them in ways we didn't even imagine or think of ahead of time, okay? And so, uh, Isaiah 40, 29 to 31 is a, is a, it's one of those coffee cup verses people say, or it's written on many a, a tapestry, uh, but it's great. It's, it's good. It says, uh, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and, and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I guess what I'm just trying to say is, 
you know, yes, we need physical rest. Yes, we need nourishment, and we need to pay attention to that. But we also just need to ask God to empower us to do the work he called us to do. You know, otherwise, we're, we're just doing it on our own strength, which very has, has a very short life. <laughs> you know, um, I don't have a lot of strength in and of myself, uh, spiritually speaking, at all. Right? We want to rely on God for the things we do in his name, for everything we do. Right? Um, and so, so just remember this. God refreshes uh, Elijah here. It gives him strength. We need to seek God for spiritual nourishment and refreshment. Um, and that's, that's critical if we're going to do ministry in his name. And, and, and we all are called to do this, okay? Some people might say, well, you know, he was a prophet, and I'm not really called to be God's you know, mouthpiece you know, and all that. Uh, I'm not in ministry full-time, like, kind of like he was. Well, listen, we are all called to be ministers uh, of reconciliation in, in the Scriptures. It, it, um, Paul talks about the ministry of reconciliation. We're supposed to try to help people find God, right, and to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We all have that ministry. Um, the way it looks in one person's life might be a bit a little different than another person's life, but we all are called to have a heart for people that don't know Christ as Savior, right? And so, so if we have that heart, which is on the heart of God, you know, the heart of God is that people would come to know him personally through Jesus Christ, and he wants us to have that heart. If we have that heart, then we're going to be thinking about reaching people and, and wanting to love them and to, to, to love the Savior like we do, right? And we need spiritual strength for that. We need to be rested up for that, okay? Make sense? All right, so another thing that God does is God listens to him. God listens to him. Listens to him pour out his heart. And there in verses 9 and 13, twice God asks him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And then, you know, Elijah just, yeah, there it is, man. <laughs> it's just like, he let it all out on God, you know, uh, and he just tells him how it is. He tells him what his struggle is, and he, he's discouraged about the fact that he's, he feels like he's the only one left, and nobody's following you, and I have did all this stuff. I've been zealous for you, but there's, I don't see any kind of outcome happening. And I think that is something that is healthy for us to do. Um, when, you're, when you're spiritually discouraged, you need to, to talk to God about how you're feeling about this. Uh, what is it that, that is, is really getting you down? And by the way, um, for some of us, this takes a lot of doing. I'll just raise my hand. You know, I remember when Linda and I first got married, and we would, if we'd have some kind of an argument or we were butting heads on something, and uh, she w might ask me in a certain way, she might say, well, what's wrong, or how do you feel about this? Um, I found myself saying, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not sure why I'm feeling this way. And so, like, uh, I I just didn't know. Does that make sense? I mean, some of us know or are really kind of more intuitive about what's going on inside of us. Others of us, uh, it takes us longer to figure that out. So I would sometimes have to go take a walk. 
I wasn't running away from Linda. I wasn't running away from our problems. I came back within uh, however long it took me to walk around the block because I just had to think about things. And um, now I've gotten better about thinking about what's going on in me. Uh, I'm not perfect at it. But I'm just saying that when I say this, like this idea of pouring out your heart to God and, 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 and uh, expressing to him what's going on in your soul, it may take some doing for some of us. It may take some thought, even maybe talking it out with someone else that you trust, just to, to bounce it off with him. Or just maybe, hey, you know what, try this. Sit in silence before God. Just be quiet. Turn all the radios, the, the streaming music, the TV off, and just say, Lord, I don't know what's going on in me, but I'm having these feelings. And uh, I'm discouraged spiritually. I don't know what's happening. I need your help. Uh, help me to see what it is that, that's bothering me. Okay? And some people don't like that kind of touchy-feely stuff. But by golly, we're emotional beings. <laughs> if we don't deal with this stuff, uh, you know what? It's, it's going to come out. It's usually come out in anger, outbursts, all kinds of things. And again, I'm not here to, uh, I'm not a professional psychologist or, you know, anything like that. But I just know how we're made. All right? And, and we need to pour out our heart before God. I, I really think one of the reasons God asked this question of him is he's trying to get him to express his heart. Okay? Express his heart to God. You know, I've, I've had plenty of discussions with God. Well, it's not really, it's really kind of more of a one-way thing uh, a lot of times where I'm just saying, God, I don't understand. You know, we're doing this over here. Nothing seems to be coming of it. I felt just like Elijah before. Plenty of times, you know, or, or whatever it might be, just on a personal level, right? Uh, and so pour out your heart to God. And this is something that, again, that's going to take some time. Some people, um, you know, just freak out at the thought of journaling. Okay, others are really into that, but that could be a way. And, and actually, that's something that um, actually Chip Ingram, uh, some of you may know who he is, a Bible teacher from California. But during when the pandemic first started, he put out uh, a video series that was free about how to spend time with God. He, he started working through the book of Philippians with people. And I started watching that and listening to it. And one of the things he was encouraging everybody to do uh, before they spent time with God, was just in a sentence or two to say, God, this is how I'm feeling today. This is the anxiety I'm having right now. This is, this is the stuff that's bothering me. And just to put it down. And then it could be, you know, so it helps you really think about what's going on in your soul before you want to receive from God. Um, I found that little exercise helpful for me. Just, I mean, again, I'm not a big journaler. I, I don't, I mean, I do write things that I learn in the Word of God in my journal, but like not about my personal feelings so much. But to, just try that, um, at, at, you know, as you, as you maybe spend time with God. Just uh, think about how you're feeling that day. Um, you know, if we're real, there are some days we wake up and we're just like grumpy as all get out. And you, and you don't know why really don't know why. You know, maybe it was that pizza you had the night before. You know, I don't know. Or maybe there's something that's sitting and simmering in your heart 
and it's causing you to just be down. So, all right. Now, the last thing, which I want to probably spend most of our time on here today, is just that God reminds Elijah he's working in ways he cannot see. Now, we just sang a song that has a verse like that, right? Even though I can't see it, he's working. Even though I can't you know, feel it, you're working, right? You never stop working, you never stop working, right? The Waymaker song. And um, listen to what the Lord tells Elijah in verses 15 to 18 again in 1 Kings 19. Here's the instructions. After, after twice, um, you know, twice him giving the opportunity for Elijah to express himself to him, and by the way, I didn't comment on this, and maybe I should right now before I get into this next thing. But people always try to figure out, like, what's the deal about the, the wind and the fire and the earthquake, and God wasn't in those things, versus, like, when he heard this quiet whisper, that, that, that what we get from that is that God was in the whisper, right? Um, here's my thought. Um, the Bible doesn't tell us why. But my one thought is this. Where were they at that time? They were on Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. Anything significant happened on Mount Sinai before? Ten Commandments. Moses meeting God through the burning bush. That's pretty significant things in, in Israelites' history happened on that mountaintop where God has him in a cave And he says, come out to the mouth of this cave. And I think the Lord is trying to tell him, sometimes I do things in big ways, and sometimes I do things in small things you can't even see. You don't even know what's going on. But I'm working regardless. And the big things like happened on Mount Carmel, and the big things that happened like, you know, fire, speaking from a fiery bush, (laughs) right, Writing the Ten Commandments, God writing the Ten Commandments with his finger on stone tablets on that same mountain. Some have even wondered if the, if the mouth of that cave is where Moses was when he asked to see God's glory. You know? And so, um, my take on this is this, you know, God does things all kinds of ways. We sometimes try to put him in a box and think he can only do these things and do, do things, significant things in big ways, and we discount the, the, the daily, mundane things of life. Even in the quietness, God's doing things, significant things, and we downplay that. And so I, I think there's a, there's a word for us there that... You know, God works just in all kinds of ways. Now, back to this, that uh, uh, God reminds Elijah he's working in a way we cannot see. Um, In verses 15 to 18, here's what the Lord tells him. He says, then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. So he has this list of things to do. He's like, get back at it. Do your prophet stuff. You know, do the things I've designed you to do. Get back in there. 
You know, he's encouraging him to re-engage in what he needs to do. Okay? And so I, I think that's part of just uh, reminding Elijah that, you know, he's working in ways he can't see, but get back in there. Get back to work. Right? And to remember that the results are up to God. We need to remember that, don't we? Right? We can, we can do all kinds of things in the name of the Lord and have activities and design outreaches and do this and that. And um, we have no guarantee uh, what's going to have any kind of an, of an effect. But what we do need to <clears throat> do is we need to remember that we all have a part to play. And I, I dare say even churches, different churches have different parts to play. Okay? And I think that's a good thing to remember. You know, not every church can be everything. Okay? Um, now, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 to 9. The Apostle Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Now he's talking about different leaders in this church and their different roles and stuff, but I think there's a secondary application for us to think about Right, And that just is this, that, you know, getting back to the whole idea of that, you know, we, we, uh, we shouldn't put our eyes on the outcomes. But it, just in the doing, just, just be faithful in the doing, whatever God has called us to do, and to be what he's called us to be, okay? We've got to be faithful to that. Because we cannot save a soul. We cannot change a heart. You know, when I first, when I first got into the ministry, um, I kind of thought, I thought I saw as part of my job is to change people. That didn't work too well. <laughs> In fact, it didn't work at all. <laughs> it really didn't work at all uh, because I'm not in the people-changing business. Okay, um, I'm, I'm in the uh, let's, let's try to help people connect up with God. Let's help people learn what it means to follow Jesus and to faithfully do that um, and, and to try to, uh, you know, um, shepherd the flock of God. That's my job. Nowhere in there does it say uh, you've got to have X number of people uh, that make this commitment or that commitment or whatever. Now, would we, as individuals and as a church, love to see that happen? Yeah, sure. We'd love people to see people come to Christ, and we have, and so on. People make commitments to, to follow him and baptisms and so on. But you know what? Um, what God wants us to do is just to remain faithful to the task. Be faithful to the gospel message. Faithfully share it. Faithfully love the people he's placed around us. And take every opportunity we have to show and share the love of Christ. That's it. Okay? That's it. And the results are up to God. 
And I don't care how long I've been doing this, I have to remind myself of that almost daily. And so would you, I would imagine. Right? Because, again, it doesn't matter whether you're in ministry as a vocation, but, but just you know, the people that you love and your family and your extended family, the people you work with that you love and you want to see, again, uh, to spend eternity with God. And, and um, sow the seeds. Yes, one sows the seed, another waters. Some happen to be there when the reaping comes and, and someone crosses the line of faith and makes a commitment to Christ. Right? But I love this, these verses because it says, you know what? They each get their reward. It's like they're all on equal playing. One's not more spiritual than another. One church is not better than another as long as they're faithful to God and His Word. And I really do believe each Churches have different flavors and different emphases and, and, and different roles even for the Lord. And so let's not, let's not forget here that God is doing stuff that we don't even know about. He, he tells Elijah, oh, by the way, there are 7,000 people out there like you. <laughs> I love that because he was so myopic. He was like, he was only seeing what was happening to him. And, and he was only gauging the spiritual uh, temperature or the gauge of like effectiveness based on the results he was looking for. But God had a plan. All right. I'm sure, would God have loved to have seen his people repent at the big showdown at Mount Carmel? I'm sure he would have loved that. But that wasn't the plan. And so, so just remembering that God is doing stuff that we don't know about. Having that perspective. He's at work, even when we can't see it. Uh, that whole, yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. You know, and there he was saying, I'm the only one, I'm the only one. He felt like he was the only one. <laughs> I get it. But, but he was trying to encourage him. I'm doing things you can't see, man. But I will let you in on a clue. There are 7,000 other people that love me out there. Okay? So he was just trying to encourage him in that way, working in ways we cannot see. The other thing I thought was interesting, and I'll just uh, really end with this, and that is that, um, you know, the Word of God, I mean, God speaks to him, right? So we, here we have that God kind of ministered to him, right, through the angel and the nourishment and the rest, and then God listened to him, and then this word from God, God spoke to him, right? God's word um, strengthens us for the task. God's word strengthens us for the task. Now, you know, we usually don't get a personal word like that, right? But he has spoken and speaks through his word, his living word, the scriptures, right? And I'm not saying that God can't, like, impress things upon us. I believe he does that and so on. Um, but, but I'm just saying that this word is sure and true. And, and uh, you know, when, when, I, when I have an impression of what God might want me to be doing, it's more subjective and, you know, but he does that. I'm not trying to discount that. But, but this is sure and true, God's printed word, what we know he has said. And we need to realize he strengthens us for the task from this spiritual nourishment, Okay. Psalm 119, verse 28 says this, My soul 
is weary with sorrow. And then it says, strengthen me according to your word. Strengthen me according to your word. All right, so we get strength from the word of God. All right, and we may not, some days we may not realize we're receiving strength from it when we're in it. But he uses the word of God, he uses it in our life to strengthen us for the task, you know. Um, just like, let me, let me go here to um, 2 Timothy. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen, all scriptures inspired by God and useful for teaching us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us uh, to do what is right. God uses it. Listen to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. You want to be prepared. To do the work that God has for you, right here we got we've got to take it in. We've got to study the Word. We got to have God speak into our lives. God's Word is a vital part of our ministry individually and as a church. He wants us to be equipped by it, to be strengthened by it. All right. And so may the Lord help us to see that he's doing things we're not aware of, but to embrace just being faithful. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thankful that we have this example of Elijah's life, his life on display for us to see, this discouraging and depressing time in his life. And Father... um, if some of us were honest, some of us are there today, feeling discouraged, feeling depressed. Um, we feel like we're spinning our spiritual wheels. Maybe it's because of a lack of results and things that we feel like we want to see happen spiritually, maybe in our own lives or maybe in the lives of others. But Lord, I pray, God, you help us to have your perspective Help us to know that you're doing things that we can't see. Help us to know what it looks like to be faithful with what you've given us. Faithful, be faithful witness to others. Loving others the way Jesus would love them. Looking for opportunities. But help us to be faithful with those and not hung up on the outcomes. We so want to measure certain things. But there are things that are not measurable that are just as wonderful and just as worthy of praise. Father, help us to evaluate whether we're getting that proper rest that we need to do the work you've called us to. Are we treating our bodies well? Because they are the vessels that we are doing the work with. God. And Father, help us to to grow in this area of our, of our prayer life where we're able to express ourselves to you and to lay out before you our discouragement and to identify 
What's at the core of it, Lord? Give us insight. You know us better than anybody. Help us do that in a healthy way. Lord, if anyone here today is really discouraged, Lord, I pray that you would help help them to come out of that. Um, If there are other causes other than the spiritual and the physical, Lord, if there are chemical things going on, Lord, help them to find that out. There's something, if there's something that we can do to come alongside someone that is um, struggling in this way, Lord, help us to be there with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.